So the text we'll be going over today um, is Psalm 116. And we're doing a psalm series as Connor started off last week for the next few weeks. So get there in your Bible. And as you flip, a few questions have really struck with me this week while reading the psalm. What do I love? What do I consider praiseworthy? And I want you to think about what do you love? We all love something. And oftentimes, we love many things. If you know me, you know what I love. You know that I love my wife. I love running. I love Trader Joe's. And I love coffee, right? And why do you know those things about me? You know them about me because I talk about them, because I do them. I run. I do all of my shopping at Trader Joe's. I drink coffee every day. I hang out with my wife. I talk about my wife. And that is how you know that I love certain things. So I want you to think about what are the things that you talk about in conversations? What are the things that you do? What are the things that you communicate to people? This is what I love. If I were to ask your best friend and say, hey, what does this person love? What would they say? Would you be embarrassed by what they say? Would you not want them to answer? I think if we're honest with each other, we love things that we know we shouldn't. We love things that we know are oftentimes the most gratifying to the Lord. And so today I want to deal with that question, what do we love in our psalm? And our psalm answers that question. And the answer is simply the Lord, that we should love the Lord. So I want, what I want you guys to get out of today is that God is worth, worthy of our praise, our love, and ultimately our life. And so we're going to read our text, Psalm 116, verse 1. If you do not have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible in the back. So after the service, please just go grab a Bible. But we're going to we're going to read. And it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he has his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosened my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst. O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. And what I want us to see today, and what I want us to all take away is essentially verse 1. I love the Lord. I want everyone in this room to be able to say that today. And we see the first reason why really we should love God is because of his character and who he is. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. The psalmist exclaims, I love the Lord. 
Why does he love the Lord? Because the Lord has inclined his ear to him and he answers and hears his pleas for mercy. We see that the psalmist loves God because God is open. He is available, right? We see that God is so majestic and holy, and we know that, but we also know that God is a God who is personal, who condescends to us and hears our cries when we cry out to him. And this psalmist here is saying, Lord, I love you because you are a personal God who has heard my cries. And when, when this psalmist was in pain and distress, the Lord is kind enough to hear his pleas for mercy. I want to ask you, how often do you experience pain? How often do you feel like you need mercy? These verses gives us comfort that God is the only one who hears us and the only one that can provide us with mercy. However, I think we are often inclined to cry out to other things. I think we're often inclined to be quick to seek mercy from other people, from achievement, from the approval of others, from maybe alcohol or drugs, But I want us to also look at Psalm 115, verse 6. And this psalm talks about idols. It's the one right before our psalm. And it says, They, being idols, have ear, but do not hear. All right, and why I bring that up is because the psalmist is drawing a comparison, and it's, it's one we must see. When we seek mercy and we cry out to idols and things that of this world, they don't have ears. They cannot hear us like our God can. How often do you go looking for other things, right? Does money have ears? No, it does not. Does achievement know you like God knows you? No, it does not. We see here that only God knows us. Only God is the one who is listening to our pleas for mercy. And we love God because he is the one that indeed hears us. Looking at verses 3 and 4, we see a picture of deep pain. Right, this psalmist is in pain. He's in death. This says, the snares of death have encompassed me. And yet, why can he say in verse 1, I love the Lord? It's because of who God is. We look to verses 5 and 6, and we see a beautiful truth. We see that the psalmist says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The beautiful thing about these verses that the psalmist is describing here is that God is gracious. I think we often overlook that, but when you think about gracious, that is the definition of who God is. God is fully gracious. He is fully merciful. He is fully righteous. And when we think about grace in our world today, it is a mere reflection of the grace and and personality and character of God, that his character is gracious and merciful towards God. Us. And that is what the psalmist sees. The psalmist sees the Lord and his graciousness and his mercifulness during this pain, during this deep darkness and death around him. And yet he says, I love the Lord because of who God is. These verses and some of these words are almost an exact copy from Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. And in this chapter, the Lord is talking to Moses, and Moses says, God, reveal yourself to me. Tell me who you are. And this is what God says. Verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, so the Lord is telling Moses, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so we see in these verses, this is the first time that the Lord describes himself in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And he could have chose a many number of words, right? That would have been true in that moment, that God is powerful, he is mighty, he is all-knowing, he is everywhere, everything that we talk about God, but God chose to call himself gracious and merciful. And that is, that is beautiful. And I want us to reflect on that. And I think the psalmist is kind of using those words and drawing from that because he can see that the Exodus is a great example of how the Lord has been gracious and kind throughout all of eternity and history. That we see that the psalmist sees that God has been gracious when he gave the people of Israel bread in the wilderness that they were complaining, they had turned their back against him, but yet he was so gracious that he gave them daily provision, right? He gave them life for that day. We see God's grace, and psalmist sees God's grace when, he, when we look at Abraham, that Abraham, that God gave Abraham a son, and from that son, a nation and a people group. We see the psalmist sees God's grace when God brings water out of a rock so his people would not thirst. They did not deserve that. Again, they were complaining. They turned their backs on the Lord, and yet he said, I am gracious. Here is what you need. We see God's mercy from the Exodus when we look at how God saved his people from Egypt. They were in captivity, and they had kind of turned away from him, but yet the Lord was merciful enough to bring them out of that. And ultimately, the biggest act of mercy that we see when we look at the Exodus is the Passover. That the Lord in his merciful loving kindness towards the Israelites said, if you kill this lamb and you put blood on your doorstep, I will give you mercy and I will pass over you and save you from the judgment that I'm bringing on the Egyptians. And the psalmist knew that. And he said, God is gracious. I've seen that. God is merciful. I have seen that. And he's also seen God's righteousness. Right? And we, when we think about this passage in Exodus, I can't help to think about when, God, when Moses says, show me yourself, and God says, if you saw me for who I am, you would die. But I will turn my back to you, hide yourself in the rock, and you can see me. Because God is so righteous, he is so holy, that if someone saw him for who he truly was on earth, he would die. And we also see his righteousness in God's law. So the psalmist here sees God. He sees him for who he is. He has seen him in his own life. He's seen him in throughout the entire history of the world and that he is gracious, that he is merciful, that he is righteous. And my question to you is, have you? Have you experienced grace and mercy from the Lord in your life? Do you see God as someone who is holy, who is righteous? In the same way, at a wedding, when the veil is removed from the bride for the first time and the groom sees her clearly, he's overfilled with love. Right? He's overfilled with joy and love in his heart because he sees his bride beautifully. And usually that's an outward expression that comes in tears. But we see here that the psalmist sees the Lord clearly. He sees his character and his nature clearly. And his outward expression is, I love the Lord. His outward expression of seeing God clearly is love for God. Have you seen the Lord truly and clearly? Does God's character make you swell up with love for him? Have you seen God's mercy in your life? Have you seen his grace in your life? If you would say no, I haven't, and you're saying I, I don't really know anything about the grace or the mercy of God, I would ask you to consider the very breath in your lungs. 
The very fact that you're here is mercy from God to give us a day of life that we do not deserve. Consider where you grew up. As we celebrated 4th of July last week, or this week, we get to celebrate living in a country where we have a lot of liberties and freedoms, but yet we did nothing to grow up here. We did nothing to be born here. We could have been born in a third world country and have a lot of struggles and difficulties, but because God is merciful to you and his loving kindness, he placed you exactly where he wanted you. I even think we can look around and we can see God's righteousness in the laws that we have. Right? We talk about the Ten Commandments and why we see God's righteousness. Why do we all agree that murdering is wrong? Because, that, because God's children are made in his image, his righteousness, and we all agree that we can see God's righteousness in the law of our world today. And so do you love God because of his grace and mercy? Or do you look to other things when you feel guilty, when you feel like you have nowhere else to go, where do you turn? When you have a day where you mess up and you're like, I really need forgiveness, what do you, what do you seek? When you have that nagging feeling of pain, do you turn the TV to numb it? You're like, oh, maybe a few hours of Netflix, I'll feel better to go to YouTube and try to watch a few 15-minute videos, but that way at the end of it, you can forget. When you scroll on social media and go, maybe if I can get a few likes, I can feel better about myself and this pain will go away. Maybe you love the world, maybe you seek the world in comfort because it gives you a sense of righteousness, that you can say, I'm not as bad as this person over here. And so you are filled up with self-righteousness. What stirs your heart? What do you love? My prayer for you, if, if you are not a Christian, is for you to see Christ and for you to see him as someone who is loving, see him as someone who is gracious and merciful to you, and see him for how righteous he is. See him for someone that can save you from your sin, and that will cause you to love him. My prayer for those of us who would say that we are Christians is to examine your heart. Right? When was the last time that you thanked God for bringing mercy and grace into your life? When was the last time that you sat down and you journaled five things you were grateful for? When was the last time you thought about how Christ gave us his righteousness? When was the last time you praised God for that? That one day when we pass away, that because Christ gave us his righteousness, we can go before the throne of God and we can stand confident and we can say, Lord, is nothing that I have done. Nothing of my righteousness is my own, but because you died and gave me your righteousness, I have confidence to stand before you and enter into heaven. When was the last time you thanked God for that? Or does that cause you to love him? Does that cause your heart to swell up with love for him? I think we see in these verses that the psalmist's heart is stirred for the Lord. He says, I love the Lord. Why? Because God is gracious and righteous and merciful. Can you say the same? Is your heart stirred in the same way that the psalmist is for the character of the Lord? Because we see here that the Lord's character is worth our love. It is so beautiful. I want us to move to the second reason why we should love the Lord, and it's because of his works because of his works, and mainly, especially in this psalm, the deliverance of the psalmist. And so I want to look to verses 7 through 11. We're going to read them again. And it says, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, All mankind are liars. 
we see from these verses that the Lord has done a lot in this psalmist's life. The Lord has been good to this psalmist and dealt bountifully with him, and he has given him rest, right? The, the psalmist can say, my soul go to rest because of how the Lord has dealt with me. Verses 8 and 9 are, I think, two of my favorite verses in this whole psalm, and, I, and it is because it is a beautiful picture and poetry here. Uh, we see that the psalmist starts with how the Lord has delivered his soul from death, right? And that alone is enough to say, I love God because you have delivered my soul from death. But God, being gracious and merciful to us, not only that, but he wipes away the tears of the psalmist. He sets his feet so he's not stumbling. And he puts him, he says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Not only does God take this psalmist from life to death, but we see that his feet was once stumbling, but now he walks before the Lord. That he was almost in death, but now he's in the land of the living before God, communing with the Lord. That is just such a beautiful picture of our salvation and what our life is like. And the psalmist can have confidence, enough confidence and enough love for the Lord that even when everything around him is wrong, verses 10 and 11, when he is in affliction, when everyone around him is lying, that he can say, I believed, I believed that God is good. I believed that God delivered me and my soul can go to rest even when I said these things because of God's work and because of his character. He says, I believed, I, I love the Lord, I believe in the Lord, even when everything around me is going wrong because of who God is and because of the deliverance that he has shown me time and time again. The psalmist is confident in the Lord that he won't fail. God will never fail him and he won't fail us. And we can have confidence and love for the Lord like this as well. So I want us to meditate the next few minutes on what these verses mean for us. What does it mean that we can love God because of his works? And I want you to think about how God has dealt with you. Where have you seen the, goods, the Lord's goodness in your life? Think about how God has given you more than you need. And because of that, your soul can rest. All right, I think an excellent example of how the Lord deals bountifully with us is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus took, most of us know the story, but Jesus took five loaves of bread and, and two fish and provided food that we know for probably more than 15,000 people. And then at the very end, the Bible says, after they were satisfied, the Lord said to his disciples, go collect the extras. And even if there was one basket left over, we would have said the Lord dealt bountifully with them. He gave them more they could ever need. But how many baskets were there? There were 12. Why? Why 12? Because each disciple had one to say, Lord, you dealt bountifully with me that I have provision for today. I have more than I need because of your love for me. All right? Everyone in that story can walk away and say, the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Can you say the same? How often do you praise God for what you have? Or are you more inclined to complain about what you don't have? When was the last time that you said, Lord, thank you for my apartment. Thank you for my house. Thank you for what you've given me today, that I have food on the table and I can rest. Or do you go, God, man, I really need that job. I really need that pay raise. I really need this new house. What is, where is your heart? Is your heart grateful to the Lord and saying, Lord, you have dealt bountifully with me? Or is your heart wanting more? Is your heart loving other things than the Lord? How often 
Do you think about verse 7? And it says, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. As we think about the Lord dealing bountifully with us, how often do you tell your soul, Return to your rest because of other things? How often do you say, Oh, my soul, return to your rest because I'm going to watch Netflix today? How often, Oh, soul, return to your rest because I'm going to chase after a boy or a girl or other things of this world? Whatever we find rest in is what we love. And we see that the psalmist here finds rest. His soul can go to rest because the Lord has dealt bountifully with him. I think when we forget when the, what the Lord has done for us, when we forget the Lord's goodness and deliverance in our life, we turn to other things and our heart starts to desire them. And I'm, I'm sure there's some of you in this room today who might say, Drew, I haven't really experienced death in my life. I don't really cry. I don't need anyone to wipe tears from my eyes. I can walk, you know, well. I don't, I'm not stumbling right now. And I would say to you that I think you are wrong. Lovingly, I think you're wrong. Um, that one day, we will all die. Uh, not to be mean, but that is the reality of life. And that people you love will die. And we can either look to this psalmist, and we can draw two conclusions. We can say, that amongst, in, in this world of pain and suffering, we can have confidence and love for the Lord and say, because of who God is, what he's done for me, I can have confidence when I die, but I can have confidence when I'm in the midst of pain and trouble, or you don't, and you will live a life that is full of the world and only bring you pain and suffering. And my prayer is that you would see how this psalmist is in pain and suffering and see how much confidence he has and love for the Lord, and that would stir your heart for God. That God is merciful, He is kind, that He wipes our tears from our eyes, and that He can do the same for you just like He has done for this psalmist. I also think that these verses show us what it's like for those who don't love God, right? In the second, the second choice. Who reject Him, who do not trust Him. And the things of this world only bring death. They only bring tears. They make you stumble. And when you feel pain, the things of this world are not the answer. Only God is. And even for the believers in this room, I think how often do we sin? How often do we things that we know are wrong, but we try to cover them up with more sin and say, oh, I, I kind of felt good for a little bit. I'm going to see if I can feel better by doing it again. And when you start to chase after these things, right? The, the lie you told to your friend has to keep going and going and it brings more pain that your desire for approval, your desire for, for rest of your soul turns into you chasing boys, chasing social media likes, chasing things that you think feel good in the moment but make you feel worse. Or that your promise not to watch that video again, not to yell at your kids or not to steal breaks. And you say, well, why not, why not keep doing it? Why not try to find deliverance for my soul in those things? Church, I want you to look at these verses and I want you to see how good God's deliverance really is. I want you to see how much he has done for you, how much he's done for us. I want you to see him for who he truly is and love him. All right, that our hearts should be stirred for the Lord like the psalmist's heart is stirred for the Lord when he says, here's God's deliverance in my life and how God has saved and rescued me. And that the Lord's works are more excellent than anything this world can offer us. The, word, the Lord's character is more excellent than anything the world can offer us. And to those of you who say, I don't, I don't know if I see God working like this, 
who say, I don't know if I can believe in a God who is good, who is merciful, who's righteous, who is you know, working in the world when the world is broken and full of people who are hateful and mean. And when he's, there's mass shootings and violence, and I want to say I understand your pain. And I agree with you. I think this world is broken. And I think the psalmist is saying the same thing, that we live in a world full of brokenness. And it's not because of God, but if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and read chapter 1 through 3, you will see it's because of us, that we chose to rebel against the Lord and sin and turn from Him. And now we live in a world full of darkness. But again, in this broken world, we can see the Lord's works and we can have confidence. We also learn from these verses that our love for God does not rest in our circumstances. All right? I think this psalmist would have every opportunity to say, you know, I don't love God because of the suffering I'm in. I don't love God because of all these people who are lying around me in the world I live in. I don't love God. But what does he say? I love God because even though all these things are happening to him, he loves the Lord. And it's because he knows the Lord's deliverance is the only thing that will save him. The only thing that his heart should love is who God is and his work for him. And if you would say, I don't know if I I can believe that, I don't know if I, I know God is still good and the best thing for my soul for deliverance, I would say, pray. Just ask God to soften your heart. The Bible tells us that if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. So pray that, that your heart would be stirred for the Lord, that your heart would, would cry out to the Lord and love Him, that you would see God, you'd see Him and His good works and be stirred by that. And the psalmist continues by praising and worshiping the Lord. The, the last thing I want us to see today, why we should love God, is because God is worthy of our love. Right, the this, this psalmist in verse 12, after thinking about all these things, after thinking about the Lord's goodness, His mercy, His righteousness, and after thinking about the deliverance that his soul has faced, he asked the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? I think that question is a rhetorical question. I think he's really saying, how can I repay God for everything He's done in my life? And the answer is, He can't, and you can't. Um, he sees God for how big he is and how wonderful he is, right? He sees God clearly. He sees God's work clearly. He sees the Lord for how majestic and wonderful he is. And this stirs love in his heart for God. And the psalmist goes, what can I do to repay you? What can I do to give you thanks for all these things? And he says, I can do nothing. Right? His, his answer is in verse 13. All he can do is lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And what is he doing? He's just saying, Lord, this is the cup that you gave me, the cup of salvation that you have given me, and I will lift it up and praise your name. He's saying that you are worth my love. You are worth everything that I have, and I will call upon your name, and I will praise you. He does not earn this cup of salvation. He just merely lifts it up and says, Lord, this is what you have given me. And I will call on your name and praise you for it. As I read verse 13, and I think about the cup of salvation, I also can't help to think about the cup of wrath. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
He prays to the Father in the garden, Lord, take this cup from me. And what is that cup? That is the cup of wrath that we so rightly deserved. But because God is a gracious and righteous and merciful God, Jesus Christ drank that cup for us on our behalf. And we were given a cup of salvation, one that we did, did not deserve, right? Verse 12 says, what shall I render to the Lord for his benefits for me? Nothing. We can, we can pay back God with nothing except the work of Christ and say, this is what you have done on my behalf. And I will call on your name because of your deliverance towards me. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what that means for you. Does that stir your heart for the Lord? That, that Christ's, God's love is based on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And yes, we are accountable for our actions. I don't want you to hear me say, well, we can't pay back God with nothing, so I'm just going to live my life and not do anything. No, we are, we are called to live out our faith with fear and trembling. But I want us to see what the psalmist sees and understands is that God is so wonderful and beautiful that there's nothing we can do to repay back the kindness that he has done for us except say, this is the cup of salvation you have given me. I will praise your name and call upon you. I want to look to verse 14. And it says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Again, this, this is psalmist continuing to give thanks and praise towards the Lord. And he's saying, Lord, I will praise you. I will pay my vows to you in the presence of your people. And again, this verse has convicted me because what the psalmist is saying is that, Lord, you are worth me making a vow to you, worth me making a promise to in the presence of other people. And again, I think how often we are as Christians to talk about other things that are not the Lord, to talk about things like sports or politics or working out or work, whatever it is. I think we sometimes do that to a detriment of talking about Christ. I think why verse 14 is so important and why this psalmist exclaims it, not only in verse 14, but also verse 18, they're the same. It says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people because it shows us that praise for the Lord, that love for the Lord is communal. It shows us that we need to praise God in the presence of other believers and we need to listen because when we see deliverance in another believer's life, when we see the work of the Lord in another believer's life, that causes our hearts to love him more. And the psalmist is saying, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people so that other people may see my cup of salvation that I am lifting up and give the Lord praise and love him more. So how often do you do that? When was the last time you shared your testimony with someone that you said, this is my cup of salvation? And I am paying my vows to the Lord in the presence of other people. When was the last time that you, you know, encouraged someone in that way that said, man, your life recently has really showed me the Lord's love and mercy? When was the last time you shared the pain you're going through, the struggle you're going through, the things that you feel like you are encompassed by death? Because if you do, the Lord will show you through other people His love, His gracious and his mercy towards you. Moving on to verse 15. Um, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I think when we read this verse, we're really confused. If we're going to be honest, I was kind of confused when I read it. Of just, you know, we see this beautiful 
love letter to the Lord, and then precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Um, but I think what the psalmist is really doing is merely continuing his train of thought that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord values his people. And the Lord thinks that and knows that all of his children are precious. We're moving on to verse 16 and 17. We see that not only should we love God because of all these things, not only should we love God because he calls us precious and he, he is gracious and merciful, but we are called to serve him. That the psalmist says, O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosened my bonds. It's like this, the psalmist here. We are called to serve the Lord. We should say, Lord, because of your love, because of your character, because of the works that you have done in my life, I want to serve you. Because of the deliverance you have given me, I am going to serve you. Is your life marked by that? Is your life marked by service? Do you serve at church regularly? Do you disciple someone? Are you sharing the gospel with someone? If, if, is your life marked by service for the Lord? Even in verse 17, not only are we called to serve, but also sacrifice, right? It says, I will offer up to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And this verse ends with the same thing that verse 13 does. And it's, it's a parallel that the, the psalmist is using, and I think it's to connect these verses that we are called to offer up thanksgiving to the Lord and sacrifice for Him. In the same way that the psalmist wants to serve the Lord, we, are, we ought to as well. And I think the psalmist is wanting to do this because he sees the Lord and believes that He is truly worthy of His love and His time. And when I think and I've thought about these verses, I come back to Romans 12, verse 1. And that verse teaches us that our bodies are a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that is our spiritual worship. Our spiritual worship is marked by sacrifice and serving for the Lord. And so ask yourself, is that me? Is that me? Do I cherish the Lord so much? Have I meditated on the deliverance that God has given me? that I want to serve him because of the love that I have for him, that I am sacrificing my life for the love that I have for the Lord because of what God has done for me. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I don't know. I would ask you to just assess your heart. Assess your heart because you may be loving comfort over the Lord. You're thinking to yourself, I'm too busy to serve. I don't have enough time. That's too hard on my schedule. I think it's because you're loving the things of the world and comfort over the Lord. And to those of you who say, oh, yep, I serve so well. Every week I'm at church early. I set up, I tear down, I do all these things. I would say, look at verse 12 and see that our service to God is not meant to us to hold up and say, Lord, this is, these are my good works and what I've done, but it's meant to say, Lord, I'm doing this because I want to praise and worship you. And we can never repay God by our good works to earn anything. And I want to end today where the psalmist ends in verse 19 by just simply praising the Lord. That we want to praise the Lord and say that, Lord, you are worth our love. That you are worth everything that we have. That you are wonderful and beautiful and merciful. And that our lives should be marked by service towards you. Praise him for his character and his good works and we should worship Him. And I want us to see that, like the psalmist, 
We should say, I love the Lord, and that the, wor- the, the Lord is worth our praise and our whole life. So I return to my original question for you. What do you love? Who do you love? Let's pray.